Hey gang, it's Graham, what's cracking? And my daughter has decided that she only wants to eat lunch if she is sitting on my lap. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, today, I wanna to talk about something that's been bugging me for a couple of years. And it's about a book series, a, a trilogy that came out, the first one came out in 2016. I reviewed this on Brother Trucker before. And uh, I reviewed the first two because I was getting hyped for the third one to come out. And after reading the third one, I ended up pulling the episode that reviewed the first two and just summarizing that I was very disappointed with how the trilogy had ended. And at the back of my mind, I've always thought, you know, I should go into detail as to why, because I think I might have given it two stars on Goodreads when I, when I did the review in 2019. And uh, I had one friend who adamantly disagreed and another friend who was like, yeah, no, that's, that's a one-star book. <laughs> and uh, I want to get into, into why. Um, Neil Shusterman used to be one of my absolute favorite authors to read. Uh, I got into his book Unwind in 2012 at the recommendation of a friend. And this was a book that was so incredibly successful a few years after it was published that it prompted the author to go back and write a, a follow-up trilogy that rounded up the whole series at, at four books. I think there was a fifth one that was like a little digital short that, that fit in between, but uh, it, it was an incredibly well-rounded series of books that dealt with a very complex issue on the political side of things. It's not a complex moral issue, but saying that out loud and then saying what, it, what it's about gets you... Uh, gets you different looks from different people based on whether they're on Team Blue Donkey or Team Red Elephant. But it was a book about um, abortion by another name. They called it Unwinding. And instead of uh, aborting uh, you know, babies in the womb, you got to retroactively abort teenagers if they turned out to be pieces of crap. And you sent them to these uh, organ harvesting camps where they, they got to be taken apart while they were still alive and their, their pieces were were put into suspended animation and uh, all of the language around it was, was changed and manipulated and modified so that you weren't talking about killing people or, oh, you wanna give me hugs and snuggles, baby girl? You weren't talking about uh, you know killing people and chopping them up and throwing their parts away. You were talking about, oh no, we're unwinding them. Oh, you get to live in a divided state. Oh, we're not killing anybody. We're not wasting any life. You, uh, you're, you're going to go help somebody else leave, live a more complete life. It's, it's very frightening, especially because you can see you know, governments and, and uh, political factions doing that exact thing right now under the, uh, under the pandemic conditions. Um, you know, if, you, if you change the terminology, then you can get away with any kind of horrific thing because, oh, no, it's not that thing because we're not calling it that thing. It's something else. Anyway, it was, it was a a masterful stroke by a very talented writer with that first book and then with the follow-up series because he was dealing with an issue that is very divisive in our society, but he did it in such a way that um, you can't really tell what his own perspective is on the issue. He's not beating you over the head with it. By the fourth book, he does come to a conclusion that, that it feels somewhat natural for that story. But that's you know based on the three books that came before it. Uh, I think the the first book still stands that test and holds up to that standard of I can't tell what the author's position is on this thing. 
So that was an incredibly rewarding read and a very great series to get invested in. And I was very satisfied by the conclusion of it, you know, both with the plot as well as the characters and, you know, the things that it had to say about the society we live in or how societies in general function. Um, it was set, I don't know, like 80 years in the future, maybe, maybe less than that. And, and yet the, the, the solutions that it proposed could work today. There's a lot of future tech involved in it, but I would dare to say that we're kind of on the cusp of developing those technologies that could resolve the problem. Um, you know, the issue is uh, human politics, the things that we will allow, the things that we will demand, and the things that we will do to each other to get what we want. So all of that kind of folded into the expectations that I had for the next several books of his that I read. Uh, which kind of got me into his backlist, and at, at this point I probably read a dozen titles by him, and he was one of my favorite authors for a long time there. Uh, in 2016, he released a book called Scythe. Now, he, he would have written this, you know, well before that, but it came out in October or November of 16, which was right around the time that uh, Donald Trump pulled off the uh, greatest political upset in the history of the United States, which is relevant because it'll factor into how the next... Two, uh, two books in this series are going to go. Um, the book was about living in a world that had developed a technology that basically made death obsolete. You were able to like constantly renew, revive, resuscitate you know, a, a human body. You could conceivably live forever because you could constantly, you know, they called it turning the corner, turn the clock back. But in order to keep the population under control, you had these people that were above the law called scythes who had to hit certain quotas. They, they had to, uh, to glean people from the population. If you got killed by a scythe, you couldn't be revived. You couldn't be brought back to like life by the uh, technological supergiant AI that governed the affairs of all humanity. This uh, giant data cloud that they called the Thunderhead. Fascinating concept, interesting characters, really well done world, and an excellent story. The first book was fantastic. So expectations were extremely high for the second one. But this is where Shusterman started to kind of fall into a trap that a lot of other uh, you know, YA big name authors had fallen into. And it was so disappointing after seeing how he had handled the concept of Unwind to see him kind of start to go this route with the second book, which was called Thunderhead. It was about the, uh, the cloud itself and why it was separate from the authority that governed the scythes and what that meant. The villain of the first book was a leader of renegade scythes who killed for pleasure more than anything else. They just loved to kill people and they would kill in massive, inhuman, brutal ways and scales. They would crash entire planes. They would light fires. They would, I mean, they just, just did heinous stuff because they, they loved it. They loved nothing more than the destruction. And uh, their leader, Scythe Goddard, tried to wax philosophical about it, but in the end he was just a maniac who was overly nihilistic and loved killing people. Now, the Scythes, as I said, were separate from the Thunderhead, which governed humanity. They had their own governing body and governing system. There was an internal elections process that decided who got to be the, uh, what do they call them, like the, the High Ark, the Grand Ark, the, the Grand Poobah of, of Scythedom. You could, you could run for election, you could win, and you got to set the policy going forward 
which was scary because again, this is a world where uh, mortality is basically obsolete. So we were talking about somebody who could govern the fate of, of uh, human mortality ostensibly forever if they played their cards right, which is something that we have not yet faced as a species or as a collection of societies throughout history. But because this book happened after the, the Trump versus Hillary election in 2016, and because um, the, the overall mania and derangement that swept through the cultural stewards of North America, we'll say, by that I mean uh, movie studios, publishing houses, um, you know, just, just anybody who had big funding, big backing, and was part of the, uh, the larger cultural narrative machine, they, they made that part of their modus operandi going forward. The series started to take a turn into that direction, and Scythe Goddard was basically written in as Trump by another name. Um, there was an election to replace the Grand Poobah Scythe at the end of Thunderhead, and it came down to this big evil old guy who liked killing people and uh, a visionary female leader who uh, should have, you know, ostensibly by the rules, won. You know, it, it was a very, very thinly veiled facsimile of the 2016 election if you thought that Hillary won legitimately and Trump stole the election, which has been proven over and over again that no, he won by the electoral vote, which is the only thing that matters and the only thing that should matter, but that's an entire entirely separate discussion. At the end of Thunderhead, Scythe Goddard ends up, you know, rigging the election, killing anybody who knew about it, and uh, coming back and saying, I won, I won, I won, we're going to do things my way. And he even goes so far as to say, like, we need to make our Scythedom great again. Scythedom is what they call, you know, their little reigning kingdom. And I'm like, okay, that's... I mean, you're not even really trying to hide it at that point, at the end of the book. He'd written this book that for 85, 90% of it, was excellent and then you, and unique, and then you can tell at the end of the writing process, somebody got very, very mad that Donald Trump won an election that they didn't think he should have won. And I was especially disappointed in that because again, this man had already written a superb series that transcended current day, current year politics, and it wasn't a, you know, a thinly veiled mask of anything else. It was its own story. And now it started to become some guy playing finger puppets with current events and shaping his entire story around that. So I was still excited for the third book to come out called The Toll. It was delayed. It, uh, the first book came out in, or the, excuse me, the second book came out in like January of 2018. And the third book came out in about November of 2019. So there was a significant stretch of time in between there. Because in between books two and three, he wrote a book with his son that was completely separate from this series and released that. And then he came back to this one. And at that point, you know, my estimation is that the, uh, the Trump derangement bit had kicked into overdrive. And this book was you know, not only overtly anti-Trump, Trump sucks, but also he, he decided to throw in a bunch more uh, woke stuff. Um, you know, commentary on things about like the, the rainbow spectrum, the uh, LGBT, whatever else, you know, letters and symbols and stuff they're throwing in, into it. He wrote in a character that hadn't appeared before named um, Jericho that came from, I can't remember which country, I want to say it was Mozambique or maybe it was Mauritania. It was one of these isolated countries that uh, 
you know, having never been mentioned before in the uh, in the other books in this series, we're talking you know over a thousand pages of of text and world building and stuff. Let's randomly throw in this one island that um, doesn't do gender roles and allows children to choose their own gender when they come of age. But in the meantime, um, you know, they can just pick whether they are male or female. And it got ten miles past tedious within the first. 100 pages or so. There's this character named Jericho who when Shusterman introduces the character he's very careful not to use gender pronouns because um, you know the, the way he's setting it up the the character doesn't have a, a traditional gender and in fact the gender changes based on whether there are clouds blotting out the sun or not. I, I am not joking it is that tedious and over the top to deal with and you know, in addition to to that whole concept as uh, something a society would willingly navigate around, this character is presented as only being 20 years old and being exceptionally wise, and everybody tells this character how exceptionally wise they are, and, oh, you must be younger than you look, and Jericho has to hide Jericho's age because people wouldn't believe that Jericho was only 20 years old. But, you know, it's just this whole, like, super, super pandering to, to that particular demographic of, of readers, which is exceptionally small, much smaller than the people that would, you know, demand that sort of representation be thrown into a story. Like, oh, cool, you know, he's, he's got this character that he's portraying as, as brilliant and genius, and that's going to do great things for representation. Like, it was such a flagrant rock in the water to the, to the actual storytelling that it became too obnoxious to continue reading, you know, scenes that popped up with the Jericho character. You know, people 10 or 15 times Jericho's age, you know, deferring to, oh, you know, Captain this, I'm sorry that I misgendered you or mispronounced you or, or, or whatever. You know, the, this way that the, uh, the woke warriors of the world wish that the world was. And it's, it, it was insane. It, it was just impossible to deal with from a reading perspective, uh, for one thing. But, you know, wishing for and imagining a society that operated that way, you'd all go freaking nuts. And then to, to really drive the nail into, co into the coffin, to drive it home that this was the point that Shusterman wanted to make, he had not one of the main characters, but, you know, a, a central figure of the story. Um, fall in love with Jericho and like, oh, it was totally real love because I wasn't thinking about what genitals Jericho had. I'm like, oh, just, just turn this into a, a, a TED talk on, on uh, you know, transsexual gender issues and, and leave it at that. This is not the story that anybody got invested in or signed up for. I mean, this would be no different than writing two really, really good volumes to a trilogy. And then once you had everybody's attention, you go and pitch them your pyramid scheme or something, and the entire book is about why you should buy into my pyramid scheme. I mean, if if all you do is replace the the Jericho gender this confusion that whatever stuff with an MLM, it, it comes to the same thing. It's you're reading this and you're just thinking, what the hell is going on? What where did this come from? Where's the editor that demanded this, and why did the author acquiesce to it? Because the entire corpus of his work leading up to this has never suggested this thing. You know, it, it has been reliably different from this. What, what accounts for this hard left turn? I don't know, but it became impossible to read. I did struggle through and get to the end, 
And even separating all that stuff about, uh, you know, the, this character that was thrown in like a, a wrench into the clockworks, the story itself came down to, oh, the, the benevolent AI that rules humanity had a failsafe in place in case the scythes ever rose up against it. And uh, since that happened, um, it just triggered the failsafe and put a different system in place. And now we don't have any scythes, the end. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? This book had nothing to say in the end about the value of life or the purpose of death. Uh, it was just, it started out as what could have been an interesting thought experiment that resulted in some open-ended but compelling philosophical points. Just circled the drain with a whole bunch of turds weighing down on it, and, and that was that. I, it, it still borderline physically hurts me to think about this trilogy, how much promise it had, how compelling it was as an excellent piece of literature, and it ended this way. Shusterman wrote another book after this that wasn't set in this world, but it was you know, material-wise. It it started out with the kind of high-concept thinking that he's known for, but devolved into woke nonsense. And even the woke warriors on the reviews on Goodreads were just destroying this thing as white saviorism or whatever other high and mighty term is that they that they don't care about. So I I don't understand what the net gain was of doing it this way. Because Shusterman drove away a significant core of his repeat readers that had supported him over the years and, and loved delving into his imagination and reading his creative works, drove them away to appease uh, a phantom audience that doesn't exist. I, I cannot, to this day, I cannot wrap my head around it. So that is ultimately why I, I hated the third book in that series, The Toll, and I ended up giving away the first two that I'd had, I, th I think I sold them as a set on eBay or whatever, I just, I'd look at them on my top shelf in my library and it would just make me sad that, that somebody who was so skilled of an orator and a storyteller missed the mark so hard in a way that was seemingly on purpose. I don't get it. So that being said, if you do want a good series to read by Schusterman, of course I would recommend Unwind and I would also highly recommend the Skinjacker trilogy, um, ever lost, ever wild, ever found. I can't. I think there's the third one. It's called the Skinjacker trilogy. If you start with Ever Lost, and, and you'll find the other ones from there. Superb, superb story about uh, a brother and sister that kind of get half killed in a car crash, and they end up in the uh, in the in between place in the afterlife, and very unique look at the afterlife. Um, a very unique story, and yet it's got that signature Shusterman flair pre-Scythe that makes his work so excellent to read. Check those ones out, but uh, I cannot recommend those enough, and I cannot recommend Scythe at all. That's my two cents on there. Feels kind of good to get that off of my chest. Um, don't do this to your own stories. And even more important, I would say, don't do this to your readers. Don't do this to the people that have supported your work emotionally, invested in your work emotionally and creatively and intellectually before we even get to, to financially because that's, that's lower on the totem pole uh, of issues as far as I'm concerned. This was, this was uh, an abortion of art, I will say. And that's, that's especially concerning coming from the guy who wrote the, uh, the book on, on uh, abortion in art. <laughs> anyway... 
That's all. Stay rad. Drive safe. See you out there.